And welcome to the Trouble with the Snap podcast. I am Tyler Hayward. You can find us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Be sure to like the Facebook page, comment, and share, and do all those types of things as well. That would be greatly appreciated. So me and Jeremy, we had an agreement to meet up at a certain time. And uh, apparently like a certain job interview over the last couple of days that we're going to talk about here in a few. One of the parties wasn't 100% interested. So Chris Stanton is joining me instead of Jeremy today as I got no showed, And we are going to be talking a little bit, like I said, about the Jim Harbaugh, Minnesota Vikings slash Michigan Wolverines slash whatever else you want to call that. It's interesting. Um, story as uh look harbaugh's uh, i don't know how to say this man like harbaugh's bigger than the program which you thought would be impossible for michigan but uh we'll talk about that in a few we are going to talk basketball first both michigan and michigan state surviving the other night uh michigan surviving nebraska and michigan state um you know, squeaking out a road win against Maryland with Malik Call's heroics with little time left. And look, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and talk to you about Nebraska ball, Nebraska ball, or whatever you want to <laughs> call it. Like, I'm, it's just not worth our time. Uh, you know, the Michigan party, like I said, is not here. So we're going to talk a little bit about the Michigan State game and look Maryland to me was going to be a tough matchup just because they have a ton of gifted defensive wings and when you look at Michigan State like where are they more often than not going to be more talented than you it's going to be Gabe Brown and Max Christie well I had a chance to uh, be on the show not too long ago and I remember talking about Maryland being just a different animal on their home floor you know, you look at what happened this year earlier, Illinois went in there and got absolutely curb stomped. And then Wisconsin rolled in there and I think uh, lost by one. No, well, they won by one. So, to yeah, Maryland's a little sketchy on the road, but anytime going into uh, to that arena is tough. I have a huge bone to pick with some of our own fan base. It's amazing the stupidity sometimes online, you know, that oh, these guys need to get it together. That was terrible. No, that was a gutty win. Sure, you were up by double digits, but at the same time, you know, they they were not playing uh, Central Michigan. That, that Maryland is a formidable opponent. Sure, they've had some ups and downs with uh, their coaching situation and a variety of, of other factors, but that was – road win road wins are hard to come by in the big 10 and i don't care if you're playing at northwestern or penn state or even nebraska um it, i think the team has to be given a lot of credit sure there are, uh, some moments of, of trepidation but in all you know this is the this is the malik hall that we were hoping to, to see a little bit more of a little more consistency so I, i'm i'm happy with the result a win is a win yeah, and that's the thing. In the Big Ten, you take road wins no matter what it is. Now, if you're at home and you beat Nebraska by three, you might have to look at it and just be like, okay, that performance wasn't that great. But you do it against Maryland. You do it against a coach that Tom Izzo's not seen before in Danny Manning. You know, like, it's not one of those things where him and Turgeon had the book on each other, but Danny Manning's seen enough of Izzo 
to, you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To have a little bit of a background. And so I'm, uh, I'm happy with the win. I will take that win. I said, I thought Maryland was going to be a tough matchup regardless. So mm-hmm. I'm glad Malik Hall came through the way that he did. Uh, you know, Max Christie continued his decent play, um, at least defensively. Uh, you know, I didn't see most of the game, but just I did. I had a chance. Situations, had, but. Sure. You know, I had a chance to, to watch a, most of that game, and it. I think the downfall for Maryland in that game is they only go about eight deep. You know, their starters rack up quite a bit of minutes. I think Ayala played almost 40 minutes in that game. Scott played uh, 30. Hart played 30. Once you wear them down, and, and what's Michigan State? the depth of their roster so with that being said that you know crunch time that really really helped yeah michigan state doesn't have like those all-american starters you know you don't have you're not rolling out uh charlie belmontine leaves and op at at the same time but what it is is i mean as far as the talent from the i'm going to say second to last scholarship guy um no disrespect to davis smith the second to last scholarship guy is what Pierre Brooks was forced. Mr. Basketball. Yeah, like that. That's what you're looking at, and so there's talent on this team from one through twelve, and then you throw in the fact that you got a walk on who put up forty point quadruple doubles last year in Louisiana, and Keon Coleman, who's still trying to get acclimated to well the hardwood as opposed to the turf and scoring two points instead of six every time he is, you know, every time he scores. So it's like, I I think that this is the deepest Michigan state team I've ever seen. Cause I've not remembered where the 12th guy was like, dang, you know, you can just roll him out there. I want to see a little more from here, bro. Don't get me wrong. But, but the depth of this team is going to be what carries them. And, I mean, when you look at the tournaments and because of uh, Michigan ducking the first game earlier and now they realize, hey, you know what, we need this. Let's try to get this thing scheduled. Um, when you look at that, like, Michigan State's going to end up playing four games in nine days. You're going to have Purdue, Ohio State, and Michigan as three of those games. I don't know who the fourth is and off the top of my head. Um, but – that's that's what you're looking at, and that's where that depth's really going to come in handy. So, I, I think it's big for Michigan State. Look, it was big road win, like we said. You just suck up the road wins right now. You're first place in the Big Ten, if not, you're half a game behind. Um, I'm content with everything that's happening in the program right now. I want to see more consistency out of them, out of the point guard position, obviously, but. Like I said, I'm, I'm cool with it. Uh, let's dive into this weekend. You talk about teams that are good uh, at home and something a little bit, well, that's not good on the road. Michigan State is going to the rack mm-hmm. to face Geo Baker, who was there at the introduction of uh, college football and <laughs> the most underrated uh, Bulls son ever. And no, I'm not talking about Scotty Pippen Jr. Um, Who? No matter what, no matter what Scotty says, uh, but Ron Harper Jr. is uh, going to be uh, 
I mean, he, he's been huge, and he seemed to have taken over that leadership role from uh, Geo Baker, but Rutgers is scary at home. Yeah, they're a, they're a different team at home. Um, Purdue rolled in there and walked out with a loss. Uh, looking through there, it, I would love to say the the Michigan one meant something, but <laughs> who knows? They uh, they're very very tough um, in Piscat, and this is probably this is going to be an even tougher test than the Maryland game. I, I hate the fact that these two games are back to back on the road, but. I'm not a huge fan of, of what's going on with the schedule anyway. You know, you bring up the Michigan situation. I wonder, and, and we'll probably never know, but I'm just left to assume that that was the work of the Big Ten Conference, that they said, no, oh, we need to put this game back on the schedule because accommodating the – I'm trying to use uh, nice adjectives here. Accommodating University of Michigan, uh, the basketball program, I don't – us going, Michigan State going out of our way to to put them on the schedule. I, I know you, we can't have it both ways, and and if we're going to use the phrase, I suppose you know if, if us avoiding them, you could be considered ducking as well. However, that that out of games, those last four games for Michigan State, um, really puts Izzo's in a rough spot. I mean, sure it it does prep them a little bit for NCAA tournament style, but I don't know it that. That left me with a sour taste in my mouth when I when I saw when it was being scheduled. Yeah, I mean, and I obviously went off on that on the the last show. Mm-hmm. You know, look, we're trying to get file on because the whole point of having this rivalry ish type show is to you know engage in both sides of the conversation and stuff. And, I mean, I look, there's not a good reason for it. Michigan should be accommodating Michigan State. I don't care if Michigan has to play back-to-back. If they have to go to West Lafayette and then come to East Lansing right after that, forget about it. I don't care. And so, speaking of West Lafayette, Michigan gets Purdue this weekend on Saturday. Um, I think the game's at 2.30, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, Mishawaka's finest, Jade Ivey, is uh, represent this, this this game just doesn't look good for Michigan. It's uh, it, it's a must win. Obviously, you know they're running out of chances. Yeah, it's a two thirty start down. House of horrors. I don't know if Michigan uh, historically has fared any better there than uh, the Michigan State has, but. It's 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 weird because they they go to La- West Lafayette, then they have to travel to Happy Valley, and then they see Purdue again on the tenth, and then Ohio State's lur- lur- lurking, and uh, boy, they're they're gonna have to string some wins together. Yeah, and look, M- Michigan's in a strong enough conference. You've got to get at least you've got to get probably two signature wins. Purdue's your chance. I don't know which Purdue game, but like Chris just said, they're both right there. You uh, have that opportunity. Travion Williams, a little bit uh, on the short end to be guarding Hunter Dickinson, but as we know, uh, seven foot four centers grow on trees there. So they they've got an answer. One with another. Yeah, they got a they got Frankenstein backing up Williams, and I think that. That's just a bad matchup for Dickinson because you saw what a 6'11 string bean did to him. Um, held him to 
what, like 35% up until the end of the game from mm-hmm. three feet away from the basket. Like, come on. So that, and then you factor in the fact that you have a talented wing, which Max Christie also talented wing. And you saw what Christie did to Michigan as well. Um, I, there's Michigan, I don't think stands a chance against Purdue and West Lafayette. You know, if, if Michigan gets one, I can guarantee you they're not going to get the other. Right. Um, but because uh, Purdue's going to win this game and then they're going to be comfortable or they're going to end up losing this game and then they're going to be angry. And so that Michigan's got an opportunity, though. Michigan still has some talent on that team, and that's the one thing that people need to remember. But the thing is, is they don't use it right. And it doesn't help either that – they're both of the guys that the two most talented players on that team are both in the front court. And you don't have that guard who can sit there and can take over a game. And look, you know, you can say what you want about, oh, well, Christie's not consistent, Hogard Walker, whatever. Um, between the three of them, though, you, you can get good play out of one a night at least. And and against Michigan, I mean, you saw all three of them played well. So it's possible to get it out of them. I, I don't think you get it at all from Brooks or Graham, though. And that's a big problem, and especially in today's game. Uh, I hope that, uh, File, if you're listening to this show, I have a, a question I'd love for you to address. And if, if he's not, Tyler, please pass this along to him. Yeah, a man can't serve two masters. From from day one, when Phil Martelli joined that bench, I always thought that, okay, we've got a young coach here in Howard. He's, he's NBA experienced both as a player and a coach, but not college experienced. I always felt like Phil Martelli was kind of pulling the strings, a little bit of a Wizard of Oz, man behind the curtain sort of deal. And I wonder if there's not some sort of uh, cerebral power struggle between those two. I would love to know. Because clearly I'm the wrong guy to comment on this or, or have any insights on it. But I, I do wonder. You know, it's it's kind of nice having two head coaches, but. I, I will tell you this. Jeremy has said that he felt that Martelli was the guy. He has said that. However, he's also been on some tangent over the past uh, couple months about how terrible of a coach Juwan Howard is. So I'm not 100% sure where he lands as of this moment. And I think we can talk about that a little bit, too. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, inquiring up. minds want to know on, on that one. I have heard but, Jeremy but, go off on, on Howard. But uh, it, Martelli, I have a lot of lot of uh, respect for you know I think that he's he's been an excellent coach for a long time and he was one of those coaches who probably did more with less given where he was at but right now they are doing less with more they have so much talent on that team and I wonder if conflicting signals if it's who's not on the same page is it to player to player coach to coach all included all the above I I gotta feel like that's a yeah as a huge question mark for me as a as a basketball person in general. And I, I think that's an intriguing one to ask. And I mean, obviously, you don't want to ask John Howard because he's just going to give you some sarcastic answer or whatever right now with the way the team's playing. But yeah, that, I mean, that, 
that obviously then brings up more questions. You know, how do you handle this moving forward? Is it just a youth movement that they thought they were going to be all that too is another thing, you know, Houston and uh, Diabate, like those guys are the future of the program. Obviously, if they don't, you know, go pro right away, which I think uh, Diabate's been, I, I, I mean, I think he's good enough to. If we're going to be completely honest, I mean, he'll he'll be a couple of years developing, but when he hits, he's going to hit it. And uh, Houston, obviously, look, you you're that high of a recruit for a reason. You know, um, mm-hmm. that doesn't always mean anything. Look at Amoni Bates, but I mean, I think I think there's still that talent there, and I don't know if these guys thought they were going to come in and just be like, all right, cool, it's going to be Dickinson, and then we're going to take over the show, and you're realizing, hey, look, Eli Brooks still has a role to play. Devontae Graham still has a role to play. So um, I I don't know if part of that's the issue as well. But And if I'm Diabate, I look at Hunter Dickinson as a cautionary tale. Dickinson, absolute, I'm stating the obvious, should have left after last season. His stock was not going to get any higher. And look what's happening this year. And if he looks at that and goes, well, if I come back a second season, am I going to fall into this? hit that, that hunter is yeah because look hunter didn't get better everyone's like oh well he shoots threes better okay yeah that's great but threes weren't his issue you don't need a center to shoot threes it's nice to have you don't need it what you need especially in today's nba is a center who can get out there on the perimeter and defend a little bit lateral quickness was always a problem with hunter dickinson period um but you know what? I'm I'm getting pretty close to the score right now, so let let's turn the page here to football a little bit. Uh, really quick, just give me your winners this weekend out of uh, those two games. Well, as a Packers fan, I'm still bumming, but I um, you know that uh, I've always had a soft spot in my heart for who day. Um, no, no, uh, uh, no, sorry. The the state game in Michigan uh, basketball games. Oh, I'm sorry. You, you might yeah. need to delete. I was, I, you, I thought you said football. Yeah, we're going to turn the page football, but let okay, me all right. I, I was, I'm, you know, and I, God, I'm, I'm pulling a Tim Stout. I was uh, watching him earlier, and he's talking about the Super Bowl this weekend. And then the other anchor had to correct him. Uh, no, Tim, it's next weekend. Yeah, I'm already thinking about that. Uh, this weekend, it, as far as Michigan goes, they're not going to win at Purdue. No. And Michigan State, I I love Michigan State, but the rack is, is murderous on visitors. So I think Rutgers takes that one. You know what? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take Michigan State. The reason for that is I just I I think defensively between Walker and Hogarth, they can do some things to work Geo Baker. Uh Ron Harper Jr., there's a matchup on Michigan State that I actually like Michigan State, and that's Malik Hall. Um, I I just think that him on Ron Harper's, uh, I mean, I think they can cancel each other out. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to take Michigan State in that one. I think, the obviously, as far as the rest of the talent goes, Michigan State's a better team. I don't think that's a question um, when you get past those two guys. So I'm going to take Michigan State. Uh Harbaugh did not get a job offer from Minnesota. So that that's how we're going to start this. He did not. We're going to make things clear. He didn't get a job offer, no matter what people say. He did not get a job offer. 
uh, was it Kevin O'Donnell got it. And, uh, look, he was fully intent on leaving. How bad is it for a football program when you have a guy who is working for you that would rather have 32 different jobs? If I'm Michigan State, Ohio State, Notre Dame, fill in the blank, they must use this huge fan of negative recruiting. However, this this can't go away like most controversial stories about U of M in the media. This is one of those things that, yeah, yeah, it's blue wall can't help you here. Um, This this is this has got to get pounded on. And, and rightfully so. It, it, uh, boy, it's a terrible look for Harbaugh. And, um, the other schools have to capitalize. Yeah. Look, he's, here's the thing is like, they came out and he had this fluff piece written by Mitch Albom. And, huh. You know, he talked about, right. And he was talking about, uh, you know, Ward. Look, if you'll still have me as a coach, and Ward says 100%, and it's like, well, yeah, because who else are you going to get? Now, the problem is, is everybody knows that he was going to take that job. There's a story out there with a recruit where he was talking to a recruit, and he was saying, look, uh, you know, I want this Super Bowl, if I, and so if I get this opportunity, this is what I'm going to do. Like, there's not a way that Michigan looks good in this, and you know, some of the conversation that I've had with Jeremy, this, this is what it sounded like, was I kept telling him, like, look, this is a bad look. I don't really care what happens. And he goes, you're worried. He goes, Harbaugh, you know, he's got the blueprint to beat Ohio State. Uh, you know, he might not beat Tucker soon, but he, he's got that blueprint for Ohio State. Um, he's blueprint. Got, he's won one game against Ohio State. Yeah, yeah, and that's <laughs> the thing. It, and it's like, well, here's the deal: is the thing with Harbaugh is he still can't beat Tucker, so I don't really care. I don't care that he's there or back. You can sit there and say I'm shaking, or you can sit there and continue to mask your insecurities about a guy who had one season doing what you expected him to do over the past seven. And so, no, look, this doesn't concern me at all as a Michigan State fan. Harbaugh is 3-4 and against Michigan State. He's 0-2 against Mel Tucker. He's a combined, what, 4-11 and against Ohio State and Michigan State? Something along those lines. I know 3-4. and No, no. He's four and ten because oh, because the uh, duck bill the first yeah. time they struck. Yeah, and so it's like I I don't I honestly don't know what to do if you're Michigan. I mean, here's the thing: is we you and I have said it for a while is Michigan can't go anywhere else. First and foremost, they treated this guy like the savior, and he just got a Big Ten championship, and he got you to the college football playoff. They couldn't go anywhere else that would make them feel good. And part of the reason where I keep telling Jeremy I'm comfortable with it is it's like, well, here's the options. I'm Harbaugh or you gamble. And what I mean by gamble is you end up spiraling out of control with Rich Rod and Brady Hoke again. 
or you actually get someone competent enough to coach that team. Now, the thing is, is Josh Gaddis was one of the guys, and Josh Gaddis might be okay. Um, Mike Hart was another name that was mentioned, and you know I'm all for that at that point. Mm-hmm. So it, I, I feel like it was literally a 50-50 shot, and I don't want to take that chance when I've got a guy who's coaching my rival that I can beat regularly. The, uh, I, I need more from Jeremy on this. Oh, exactly where he's coming from and, and what's been Mitch album or whomever has kind of, uh, you know, put in the Kool-Aid on this one because nothing good can come out of it. Now, Michigan is still going to be the recruiting good. juggernaut. It always is. But, you know, the thing about it is I, with all of this, I, I'm more concerned about Michigan State. Michigan State is going to do what Michigan State does, hit the portal hard. Um, you know, looking at next year, I've even seen some early numbers that the class of 23 is a top 10 class for Michigan State, that uh, Michigan State's recruiting is finally going to hit its stride with Tucker, and, and I'm most excited about that. I couldn't care less what Ann Arbor does. They're yeah. shooting themselves in the foot right now. Will they will they do themselves in? No, they're too big of a brand for that. It, you have to give respect to the point of what they what they are in the eyes of a lot of people. But they're also a failure as far as being a national content consistent basis. There's only one of those from the Big Ten, and even they uh, have some work to do to catch up with the Alabamas and Georgias, and apparently Texas A and M. Yeah. Well, he, here's the thing is. Part, part of the reason, and look, the only reason I'm bringing it up and and talking about it with this narrative is because Jeremy said Michigan State's scared, and I'm here to tell you that they're not. They're not scared. And Because here's the thing. You lose Hutchinson. You lose Ajabo. You lose Hill. You lose Ross. You lose McDonald. That's your five biggest pieces on defense. Turner's going to be good, but other than that, like, I mean, Michigan lost almost everything on defense. They lost a lot on their offensive line. Yeah, they get their receivers back. And yeah, the entire nation, including myself and every Michigan fan, underrated their receivers last year. That said, they lost way too much on defense. They're still going to play with the quarterback merry-go-round. If... Harbaugh gets smacked around this year. That's it. There's nothing left. Period. Yeah, I could see where the the debacle over the last week, last few days, could do him in next year if he doesn't produce. Now I don't know. Obviously, they're they're very uh, hungry as far as is what they expect uh, out of their football program. A ten and two in a second place in the East, that's not going to be good enough. That's crazy to think, but it's also crazy how they think. <laughs> first, first, yeah, it, it should be good enough. But You're here's right. the thing is, are they going to get 10-2 now? Because they lost so much of it on defense. And let's be real, their offense had moments last year, but it's not a world beater. J.J. McCarthy, yeah, he's got a ton of talent, but to me, McNamara is still the guy, and we don't know if McCarthy is going to be able to handle the big situations. We saw him against Georgia. We saw him against Michigan State. He couldn't handle it. 
And so you've got a problem if you continue to play with that and he still doesn't produce in the big moments. And so that that would be my concern. And look, I'm not so look, Harbaugh coming back, I just shrug my shoulders at. Like I said, I know what I'm getting. As an opposing fan, I know what I'm getting out of Harbaugh. I don't know what I would be getting out of Gaddis. I don't know what I'd be getting out of Hart. It would be a crapshoot. I don't think Hart would be a good option. I think Gaddis might be. It could be the other way around. Who knows? We don't know what coach they would bring in next. And, you know, it's not a guarantee you're going to fall into Hoke and Richrod. And so that's why I'm sitting here just shrugging my shoulders like, okay, Harbaugh's back. Well, guess what? He never left because he never got an offer. Right. Right. Let's and not so, and so the narrative, so the narrative, yeah, in the narrative that he's just like, oh, well, you know, I don't need that. I don't need this job. You know, I'm happy where I'm at. Me and Ward are 100% in. Well, guess what? You secondhand speaking for Ward is the most we've heard of Ward in two years. And between all of that stuff that I just talked about that Harbaugh's losing, if you go out and you go nine and three this year, it's going to be a disaster for him as far as uh, fan perception goes. Um, and then you look at uh, everything else going on in that athletic department, which I talked about on the that is just not a good look. And I, the whole program can spiral out of control. I mean, if we're being completely honest, they're a big enough brand to recover quick in football, but with everything else going on, it's not a good look. Ward Manuel's not, uh, you know, he, he didn't force his hand at all. He let Harbaugh drag this thing out, and he was just waiting and waiting and waiting for an NFL call. It's a bad look for U of M, if we're being completely honest. And as far as Harbaugh actually being there go, goes, like I said, it is what it is. It, it doesn't depress me. Oh, well, Mel Tucker's never going to earn that $100 million now because – Harbaugh's still dancing around here. No, it doesn't concern me. Harbaugh, Tucker's going to earn that. So, I mean, that that's where I stand on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll I be feel like I'm winning. What winning is the only elixir at this point, and yeah. it, it takes care of a lot of things. And good luck. And to you need a defense to do it. <laughs> right, right. I don't think Harbaugh has that right now. So. Look, Jeremy, spin this one uh, as as a Michigan fan. Spin this how you want to, but you know, I like you said, Tyler. I I, I honestly shrug my shoulders at it too. I care about what Tucker's doing. Tucker is is going about it a different way. Sure, we're still pulling some kids in state, but with the portal and and and, and nationally, you know, we're pulling the the Hausers and Bernards from the West Coast. And obviously, I've I've gone the on at length about yeah about the uh, the pipeline the state of Georgia is and how that's kind of near and dear to my heart. And, and it's done so, yes, it's done so well for Michigan State. I, I, I care about what Michigan State's doing. I, I couldn't care less yeah. about the circus fiasco in Ann Arbor. Yeah, but that's the thing. Is we talk about both of them on this, so I want to give them both equal time. And if one of the, those talks ends up being negative, well, it is what it is. You know, find me a Michigan fan to get on the show. But uh, <laughs> that does it for us here on the Trouble with the Snap Podcast. Chris, thanks for filling in, man. Really Anytime. appreciate it. I am Tyler Hayward.